Hello everyone, my name is Nana, the Clinical and Custom Content Editor here at the CND. Welcome and thank you for joining us again. Today, as part of our partnership with the BSPSS and our sleep content, which you can find if you visit our bedroom on the CND community, where you can find great content, great clinical, practical CPDs and amazing content for your pharmacy development. I'm very happy to be joined by Gareth. Gareth is a member of the BSPSS. And today, Gareth joins us from, where are you joining us from, Gareth? Based from just outside of uh, Peterborough. Nice little market town, Huntingdon. Oh, that's fantastic. Gareth, if you could just tell us a little bit about what your current role is with the BSPSS. I'm lucky enough to have been nominated as the, the president of the British Society of Pharmacy Sleep Services. It is the BSPSS, lots of S's, but <laughs> yeah, lots of S's to remember. But yeah, we're, we're a really diverse group of sleep practitioners, community pharmacists, pharmacists, and all manner of other people relating to sleep. We've come together to form this society to support community pharmacy in this pretty much an uncharted territory, as I can see it and we can see it as a board. So yeah, as the president, we've got, like I say, a number of people. We're all volunteers. So yeah, we're a charitable incorporated organisation. So yeah, we have charity status and we all uh, give our time. As hopefully we'll discuss, we've got quite a lot of uh, interesting ideas and things that we're doing. Yes, I mean, I had the pleasure of speaking to um, Adrian earlier and you can check out the podcast with Adrian as well if you want to find out more about the BSPSS and what they do. Gareth, what we're here to talk about today is the fact that you run a clinic, a sleep clinic in your practice. But before we get into that, if you could just give us a little quick background of your role and how you became a pharmacist or you did as a pharmacist and how you ended up here, that'd be great. Yeah, I've been a pharmacist for quite a while now, um, qualified in 1998. So yeah, it was a 25th anniversary then of coming oh. out of university. So it's <laughs> it's been, been a long time actually, hasn't it? So yeah, I'm studied in Bradford, came out of Bradford after doing the uh, sandwich course it was then. And Pretty much all my time since then has been revolved in some capacity around community pharmacy. I've always been involved in community pharmacy. So as a whistle-stop tour, I've uh, done all sorts of management positions in community pharmacy, had the privilege of pretty much owning a pharmacy um, with the backing of my tutor for my pre-reg. So that gave me a good grounding in not just community pharmacy in general, but it's like the business side and service provision as well. I mean, if we, if we look back at 1998, <laughs> 1999 services in pharmacies were, were, were pretty, non-existent. you know, non-existent really. Yeah, absolutely. At the turn of uh, year 2000, I got involved in the very early stages of the Lipogen Weight Management Program for pharmacists. And that's where in you know when as, as I'll go through, that's where I've managed to get into the field of sleep. So over all the years, I've done 20 odd years now of weight management service provision, I've seen 1500 patients, helped them lose lots and lots of weight. And just before COVID hit, Adrian, who, like you say, has already been on this and he's our CEO of the uh, BSPSS, just a chance introduction on LinkedIn, um, sparked the conversation and the link between weight management and sleep apnea, especially. So sleep disorders is what we're interested in as a broad spectrum, but the initial conversation was about sleep apnea. 
And yeah, they go hand in hand. And it's something that really as community pharmacists, we we really should be thoughtful about in terms of all our interventions that we have with patients, because it can underpin a lot of the uh, conditions that that we see. Because you're you're absolutely right about that, because we are quite, like, I remember doing the weight management when it first came as well. And there was no association made between that. You were just looking at the patient's weight. Yep. And you'd get those same patients coming in for sleep, but there was no link between them. So I'm quite interested to basically know. So from that, did you then start running the clinics straight away? Or how did you then get into developing? To to where we are. Yeah. Yeah. The, The conversation was how we could link weight management and sleep, which is there anyway, like you say, we all know it's there. It's that in the background. We know these things exist, whether it's type 2 diabetes and all these other conditions that, that are all interlinked, yet we don't necessarily join the dots up in a full way. We know they're there. We might mention it, but we don't necessarily join them all together. So, yeah, the initial conversation was was about how we could link it together. That then has progressed because that, that for me, that was just natural anyway. But then it progressed to, right, sleep training, now, Adrian has the snorer.com program, um, and that offers training for pharmacists. So uh, Snorer Pharmacy is the part of his snorer.com platform that allows for free training for community pharmacists. So I went through his training platform and became a sleep-trained pharmacist, effectively, and that revolved around the, the sleep apnea. So that was the first thing I did was went through that free training. That sparked off a big interest then to write, I need to, to know more about this. And then we discussed how we could progress it. And, and that then spawned from those conversations and bringing other people into to the BSPSS being established. So, yeah, we've been going, what, near two years now. I met Adrian at the pharmacy show, and I was very impressed by the contents that you guys have. Also, the fact that it's always, it's been there, but it's not being utilized, in my opinion, by enough pharmacists. So you're basically going to be the bench post that we use to compare all other pharmacists that become sleep experts now. In your opinion, since you've been doing this, what kind of benefits have you basically seen for the patients that you've had? So we've got two sides then in a way. So if we go to what, what I mean, I, I'm now moving away slightly from the weight management and, and putting more emphasis into the sleep, mainly because there's such a, a, a big amount of help that's out there for weight management. I think there's more value for me to be able to go down the, the sleep route where the help isn't quite as as developed. But if we say what what benefits to patients, so I've had patients that have accessed the service and just through weight loss itself, they've improved their sleep-related breathing disorders, if I can say that correctly. So if you've got someone that's carrying an, a, a large amount of excess weight, just by losing that weight, then that can improve their, their situation dramatically. So I've had a few people along those lines where just the weight management didn't need much sleep intervention, all, all coming up to, I'm sure we'll tackle this in a in a maybe a bigger way, but with with people that are now accessing the sleep service that I'm doing and realizing they have a dramatic sleep problem, which they didn't actually know themselves. And that's really important because in community pharmacy, we're the funnel, you know, we're the open part of the funnel. We see hundreds of people, different people from different demographics that we can, and we, we can easily potentially identify as having these problems who are slipping through the net because sleep is generally dealt with in uh, secondary care rather than primary care. 
Yeah, and also in general, I understand what you're saying because a lot of patients will have sleep issues, but will not even identify it as a medical issue or something that they need to speak to a healthcare professional about. They just think, I just have bad sleep. And sleep is something that is just kind of like, it's almost considered as a social issue more than a clinical issue. Absolutely. And and, and that's that's where, I, you know, joining the dots from, from my weight management side, that's exactly where I was banging the drum for weight management in that it's kind of that fluffy part of, of, of medical care. It underpins and it's, it's the foundation of, of health. And if we can tackle these foundations, then pretty much a decent proportion of the the work we do as healthcare professionals across the the spectrum of all the different elements can be helped or some of it can even be solved you know just by these supposedly fluffy areas so yeah sleep itself is is something that we should really take much more notice of just the fact of say snoring snoring is a sleep disorder yet you know even as a healthcare professional before I had the training I didn't really associate it in that way it was just maybe a bit antisocial it was a, a bit of a pain for the person that maybe slept with the other person or the family in the in the house sharing a tent when they're camping in summer or something <laughs> like that we hear these stories and and yeah you know everyone and every part that's got that maybe that amusement part to it but there's a there's a big serious element and unfortunately by not taking it as seriously there, there are some big implications you know it can take many years off your life expectancy just by not sleeping properly we're basically going to get into the fluffy parts of it now so first of all you mentioned one of the clinical presentations being snoring apart from that what other clinical presentations do you see in the pharmacy one of the biggest parts of what we're looking to develop is another equivalent template we call it a template of the bspss so if i just quickly run through what what we've got that will help explain hopefully is what we have is um a free membership for community pharmacists and they can access then a fact sheet before they even become a member so they can access some really nice concise information to kind of say what what there is that might be presenting to community pharmacy so it might be restless legs insomnia sleep uh, relating breathing disorders so you know sleep apneas um, antisocial snoring something like that and then once they're members then we've got then the training and then the service provision at the end and then we are looking at stuff like uh, insomnia because as community pharmacists we're continually being asked for the likes of your first generation antihistamines which which are not great things you know then they make you drowsy they're implicated in all sorts of interactions and also say you know even uh, road traffic accidents um they're, they're things that that shouldn't be routinely used yet you know we all know as community pharmacists they're often asked for the difficulty with that is the patients haven't got the education to know why they shouldn't use these things and also i firmly believe and we've kind of researched this in the bspss in that the education that we have as healthcare professionals we don't always know ourselves why we shouldn't give it we know we shouldn't but what can we do to combat that request so yeah presentations insomnia is definitely but i think the the one that goes under the radar most is that sleep apnea you know yeah so snoring just asking someone if they snore we always ask for, say, breathlessness at night and, and presume it's to do with, say, inhaler use, you know, asthma, something along those lines. Yet we don't always think, hang on a second, it could be something like sleep. It could be something happening. else, yeah. That is really interesting. So, for example, with the insomnia presentation, I know when I was in practice that when we have patients come in, they usually speak to the counter assistant when it comes to this. And you as a pharmacist will pick up when they ask for that drug. And I think we both know which drug. Yes. But 
I almost think it would be better if we spoke to that patient before they had that first dose of it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the element that's missing potentially is is the understanding and of the importance of proper sleep hygiene measures. Again, we understand them, we know they're there, but whether we really understand the, the real important role that they can do. And I mean, what's nice is, you know, the likes of Sleepio's coming, you know, onto the, the, the guidelines for being able to really funnel the patients towards some really good practices. And if we can get those good practices going, and like you say, yeah, if we can have that first encounter, then we can maybe get to that patient before they get potentially embedded in that need for that sleep medication that probably isn't in in a lot of uh, circumstances necessary. It'll help, but you know, there there is, there is a role for it, but you know, in a lot of circumstances, whether it's the actual answer is, is another matter. So yeah, good education and that's for the pharmacist, but that's where our fact sheets on the BSPSS hopefully will then help the pharmacist to give a bit of training to their counter assistants on sleep. So yeah, you know, they get that knowledge, that understanding to say, right, I might be a counter assistant, but I can make that first step myself and then refer to the community pharmacist, identifying those patients that they can then get that extra help. We're lucky now in pharmacy that we've realized way back in the day that we need these private consultation rooms. We've got the the ability to do these interventions privately, confidentially, and with authority as well, with, with good education. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right um, when it comes to the education because the counter assistants at the moment, they hear sleep and they think of the drug to give. Yes. I think them being empowered to know that there are other things that they can do and basically it's a referral, not a treatment. What are some of the therapies that we have available as community pharmacists for patients that come in with sleep issues? Like we've already identified, education underpins everything. So sleep hygiene measures is everything we should be talking about at the very start, you know, identifying where the patient isn't quite getting it right with their routine. So, you know, having a nice dark room, not too hot, not too cold, not having alcohol before bed, not having caffeine, ideally after midday, not exercising too much and too strongly right before bedtime. All these measures, if they're done on a routine basis, going to bed at the same time, having a proper structure to, you know, go into bed, waking up at the same time, not just during the weekday, but weekends okay. as well. And that then matches in with the weight management advice I would give as well. You know, Monday to Friday, we like to think that we can all take Friday night, Saturday, Sunday off and then get back on and, and everything will be fine. We need to make sure that that we educate our public in general that, you know, that the week is seven days long and we need to make sure that we're kind of on it really to optimize our health for all those seven days. You know, identifying those makes a difference understanding uh, as we've touched on where the pharmacotherapy fits in ideally in time where we can maybe really support even more the GPs that are prescribing because they're in this loop as well you know let's let's not think of ourselves as an island The, the GPs are in just as much of a difficult position with say insomnias and yeah over the counter remedies for say sleep apnea especially snoring sleep apnea they're really not evidence based quite often placebo at best and unfortunately for quite a lot of these things they can maybe cause more problems than than they cure if we're not careful and don't select properly you know so we we do need to have that 
like as we said, education. If we can get that proper education, evidence based, and from sleep practitioners' point of view as well, you know, they're they're there to to help and guide us. Um, and that's that's what we're lucky with the BSPSS. We've got these people to to help and guide from from their expertise to be able to help us as pharmacists know where to go and what to do. You know, back in my early stages in community pharmacy something that hopefully we all should be able to do as healthcare professionals put our hands up and go do you know what I actually wasn't that good at this or <laughs> my, I, I didn't really know and we're not always that good at saying that but definitely for myself unfortunately you know in probably you know yeah, the first part of what, what I've been doing as a pharmacist I wasn't really serving my patients as optimally as I should have done for for their snoring yeah but it's a lesson learned you know, and if we can if we can use that to to build on and and really allow pharmacy to to thrive in this area, where they're, they're again with with GPs, you know, we're we're in an area where it's pretty underrepresented as as a field sleep, you know, and community pharmacy can drive it. We've got the expertise, we've got the accessibility, we've got the availability. You know, that it's just about now joining the dots up and and talking to the patients um, with authority now. Absolutely. One thing, like you said, putting your hands up, because even when I was in practice, I have to admit, there is so much on sleep that I didn't know. And since being involved with this project and speaking to yourself, Adrian, and finding out about the fact sheets, there is so much more that I have learned in just this short period of reading um, your contents that I think any pharmacists should really give it a go and have a look at it because the benefits that your patients will have is... There's so much that you don't know, you don't know as well. Absolutely. And I think that's 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 the biggest part that I have found uh, is that there is a lot that I thought I was aware of and then found out there is so much more information that I can learn. So definitely is worth giving a go. One thing that we I always want to ask when it comes to dealing with um, clinical situations is as pharmacists, we're basically, like you said, we're the top of the funnel, basically. What kind of referral pathways are available for us when we have patients? And when should we look at referring patients? Okay, so if we take something like, say, sleep apnea, because that's where we've got, got our yeah. concentration on at the moment. We're developing the other areas as we're um, establishing ourselves. So if we look, take sleep apnea, for example, the nice guidelines are there. Sleep apnea is a, a, a range of sleep-related breathing disorders from from zero to to 100%, you know, so what we've got is most people have some element of an apnea, you know, every now and again, you you will have a little bit of an apnea, but that's classed as normal. If you if you're presenting with very, very infrequent issue, all the way up to if you're having lots and lots of apneas, then then you do need referring. Now, along that spectrum, the nice guidelines are really quite clear. So underpinning all of this, and we've already said about the fluffy stuff. So this is about lifestyle. <laughs> so sleep hygiene, weight management, you know, yes. these, these are things in the nice guidelines. They are there. We need to take them more seriously, to, like I say, and that might then help a lot of these people that are suffering quite often silently to improve or even cure their situation. So if we we underpin everything with lifestyle advice, that has to be, that's paramount. Now, if we have then a look of the healthcare professionals that are involved, let's go to a situation where the BSPSS have managed to educate everyone as much as we can do. Currently, we still can't diagnose something like sleep apnea. 
the majority of GPs can't diagnose sleep apnea as well. That has to be something that's done by a, a secondary care in a specialist situation. So that needs to be noted to start with and that the diagnosis has to be done elsewhere. So what are we doing? Well, we, we can signpost to a couple of options. Yeah. Now, if we're looking at someone that we're sure that they've got sleep apnea in a, in a, in a big degree, and we'll talk, I'm sure, about the with the service we're doing as to how you would identify that. But once you've identified this person, if they definitely need that extra uh, intervention, then that has to go through the GP. It has to be referred through the GP into secondary care to a sleep clinic. That said, if you're looking at sort of mild issues with sleep apnea, the actual pathway, according to NICE, is a sleep-trained dentist. And when you talk to a lot of healthcare professionals, just <laughs> those words, they don't really exist. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I've talked to loads of GPs, loads of pharmacists about the sleep apnea pathway. And just the fact that there's a sleep trained dentist somewhere is quite baffling for people. They do exist. I mean, yes, I remember, I remember Adrian mentioning this and it just completely threw me because <laughs> what, what is a sleep trained dentist? This is it. So they're, they're, they've taken extra learning to be able to intervene with sleep-related breathing disorders that do not warrant that extra top-end care. So, you know, using positive airway pressure machines effectively. So if, if it can be shown that there's a situation of identifiable aspects to, to the physiology, uh, the back of the throat namely, um, mm. then that's something that the uh, sleep-trained dentist can deal with. We're looking at mandibular repositioning devices um, come under different names but basically they're bespokely made devices that effectively pull the jaw forward which opens up the airways to, to oh, reduce okay. the uh, narrowing of the, the the throat and then the uh, yeah. issue with breathing and that that in itself may well cure their their snoring and then they sleep better everything improves their their health risk improves as well so yeah that's the role of the sleep trained dentist and again one of these things when we talk about this is we're lucky in community pharmacy. We're, we're a blend of NHS and private provision yeah. and we can blend them all together. And we do it quite well in community pharmacy. But when you look at, say, nice guidelines, et cetera, we, we quite often think that it has to be an NHS only interventions all the way through. But interestingly, the sleep trained dentist is private. So even though it's part of the NHS pathway, that particular endpoint for that patient is a private consultation with a sleep trained dentist, and it would be a privately purchased, bespoke made uh, repositioning device. Okay. So, even though the referral will sometimes, the pathway will go from a GP's, if it gets to the sleep trained dentist, it is then a private. That's then a private um, matter. Okay. And again, this, th- these are interesting little side topics that yeah as a healthcare professional as you go through the 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 sleep training that we have yeah these are the things that you pick up and go oh hang on a second right i see where this fits and where pharmacy can fit so you know you you may well have a a number of sleep trained dentists in your area that are again they're an island themselves because we're not as a community pharmacy we're quite often not joined with our local dentists yet there's another opportunity to to join up with local healthcare professionals to have these referral pathways, signposting pathways, so that we can get those proper outcomes for our patients. I think it also plays very well into the whole new PCNs. So basically, find out who your sleep trained dentist is, and basically, it just works very well in the, within the PCNs as well. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, you know, PCN, yeah, find out who they are. If you've got them in your area, I'm sure they're going to be more than happy to to have a, a casual collaboration 
so that, that they can help your patients at the end of the day. So I'm going to segue from the fact that you said within pharmacy, we're quite both NHS and private, and we kind of have to blend it really well. Being a pharmacist manager myself a few years back, I know some there's something that always it comes down to when it comes to running services, because at the end of the day, it's taking our time. And that is, what are the financial benefits to the pharmacy, to the contractor? Why should a pharmacist invest in taking up this time? I know the patient is always our first concern and we will do it for the patient, but is there any benefits to the contractor for us to do doing the service? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're quite right. It's one of those difficulties in, in, in what we do. You know, as healthcare professionals, our, our primary focus is always the patient. Unfortunately, it has to come with that return for we're yeah. a business. We, yeah. I'm sure we'd love to all follow everything and, and be able to give every every single minute and work eight days a week and and give our all for for what we do but we have to be paid so yes. yeah you're quite right you know we, we have to identify that and as a contractor I think for me one of the main things is outside of the business it's about professionalism you know when, when I've referred my first patient to secondary care as a community pharmacist through the GP, but it was my referral. I, I took the patient from a stage of their unknowing, brand new situation, and then get them on the right pathway myself. That professional outcome is something that, that shouldn't be underestimated. You know, we all we all feel that when we, we manage to make a difference. And I think especially in community pharmacy at the moment, with all the pressures we have, it's very difficult to see some of the services we we do where we are actually making the difference. We know we're making a difference as a number because we're doing something. And yes, we know it's benefiting the population in general. But on that personal level, to actually have that, that whole input and, and use your expertise, that's phenomenal. In terms of sort of monetary side, well, we've got a number of pathways now. So the uh, CPCS you know, the community pharmacy consultation scheme. Yeah. That's that's an ideal starting point. If you can get the community pharmacist to speak with their local GP surgeries, mm-hmm. as we've said, the GPs can't diagnose sleep apnea. The research we've had, and you look at any other research out there, the evidence points to the fact that pharmacists are not the only undereducated in sleep healthcare professionals. The GPs uh, have very little uh, sleep education yeah. generally as well. So they're quite often, I would imagine, and mine are more than happy in, in our area to be uh, funneling their sleep-related breathing disorder patients who are potentially showing issues to the person that might be able to really make a bit of a difference because we've got that structured service. Yeah. Um, so, And with that comes the CPCS. So you can formalise that and you can immediately gain that payment just to speak to their patient. What's beautiful about the CPCS is that they've been quite open with the category so it's just sleep difficulties there's there's no specification they don't have to have uh, you know this person has to be potentially having sleep apnea it's just sleep difficulties so it's nice and open for for that consultation situation so immediately you've got then a payment where you can know that you you are making that consultation in terms of what we're doing predominantly well at the moment it's purely private so the, the the service that i'm offering is is a private service so once you've got your consultation organized, like I say, hopefully through that CPCS pathway, then you're looking at a couple of stages where you've then got that uh, markup on what you do, whether it's your time or whether it's a product mm-hmm. supply. We're also looking at footfall. 
again with pharmacy we, we, we've got to maintain that footfall yeah we've, we've got the online pharmacy happening you know across the country they're doing a great job and, and and they do in terms of their dispensing and if we if we're true to what we're trying to do in community pharmacy we're trying to get away from the dispensing role as our predominant role so yes. <laughs> let's let's go with these sorts of services and being private we're in control the nhs services are very good in that they offer us good education good platform for the the service provision but as we all know they can come and they can go so you know once you've got a private service and if you embed that into what you do you can be doing this for years and years and years without that fear that it's going to be pulled from from your um, service list and also you're in charge of the 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 profit margin that you can make as well yeah and also i mean one thing that the bspss is doing is you are literally offering this training free of charge yes free of charge training we call it a template and and so you you go through the different stages it's all free of charge like you say and the outcome is here you go this is a workable service that you can run but you know we're we're looking as um the uh, work that i'm doing as um trying to get that data to kind of to then say right this is what we've got as a template and these are the outcomes that you can achieve and and we're trying to drive that further as well so yeah you know we've still got lots of coals in the fire on how to drive this service even even better and even further as well Thank you very much for that explanation. I mean, I think that makes it very clear that this service is something that will work. If you could just take us through just a quick case study of something that you've done, just so that we would know what it would be like in practice to do one. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I've got one, I mean, I've seen a number of uh, patients with, and all of them are interesting. And that's the that's just as important as anything else we're talking about is the interest. Each person has got their individual needs and circumstances that, that you can identify and, and work with. But we'll take one male customer that came in to the pharmacy and he saw a poster. I've just got a poster saying, do you snore? Come and speak to the pharmacist. Nice and simple. He asked to speak to me and he goes, I do have a snoring problem. I know that I've been told. I would love to spend a night away with my wife because we sleep in separate rooms and we've done that for a while. It's not a problem. We've got people to see and we can't stay in a hotel room together. So I've got a difficulty. Look, all I need is that to be solved and I'll be happy. So we sat down and we talked about it very briefly, gave him an overview of the service. So he said, right, okay, let's investigate this further. So taking you through, then this is a whole scenario we uh, sat down, organized an appointment time. He came in, um, sat with us, and we went through the Snora Pharmacy platform, which is a CE marked decision making tool using standardized questions that the sleep clinics use themselves and understand. And it formalizes what we do. And that's important, isn't it, to, to run through yeah. equivalent guidelines and equivalent scenarios and, and data collection. So that formalized that up, and it showed that he was sleepy the next day so he he was having signs of something he snored and had daytime sleepiness not tiredness that's different to sleepiness so we identified that there was something more that we needed to see he was still in a little bit of denial but he went with it his wife um, was part of the consultation and again i would say for anyone looking at doing this make sure you remember to have the sleep partner in with the consultation because the person we're talking to is generally asleep they don't know what's happening <laughs> you know so we need that other person there and and every time he answered a question i looked over and she was generally shaking her head because he he wasn't aware of how bad this was 
So we went through the questionnaire and we agreed that he needed further investigation. And as part of my work with the GPs that I work with, they're quite happy for me to then proceed. And we supplied him on a private basis with a three-night home sleep apnea test. So we use a device called Night Owl at the moment. And what that does is record that patient's sleep under different parameters. So their apneas, their their waking up and events and their uh, SpO2, their oxygen saturation. So lots of data comes out of these uh, small, nice and easy to use devices. So we've sent him away for a three-night test. He comes back and we sit down. We have to discuss it obviously in person. We furnish him with his summary report. And lo and behold, he had potentially really major sleep apnea he was waking up about 50 times an hour without knowing wow 50 times every single hour all night he was basically not sleeping and so it's no wonder he was really really tired he was snoring as well and you have naps during the day and so what we managed to do then is speak with the gps and we referred him through to my local sleep clinic which is papworth (laughs) hospital with the data we provided we've effectively fast-tracked him because yeah. you know generally the the sleep clinics get referrals from gps all a gp can do is say this person looks like they might have issues it looks like they're a little bit sleepy during the yeah. day can you investigate this further and we all know that can take months and months maybe a year to get through and i've had contact with uh, papworth recently off the back mm. of this they don't usually get this data like i say so yeah for them to get this data to then go, right, this person does need seeing. And so, yeah, fast-tracked and hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, in in these next couple of weeks, he'll be uh, seen by the sleep clinic and and I would imagine furnished with a positive airway pressure machine. That's that's amazing because basically you saved both the GP and the secondary care so much time. Yeah. And the patient. And the patient, they get what they need. And if he had come to me 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. I would have sold him a snoring spray Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> and told him, "Don't worry. As long yeah. as you're okay, as long as you feel okay, and you don't have any other symptoms, it'll be okay." And the thing is, they would have never come back and say it didn't work because yeah. they would have just gone and got another type of snoring spray or another device. Absolutely. So yeah, there you have it. It's absolutely worth doing. Thank you so much, Gary, for sharing your knowledge with us and for spending this time with us. Really appreciate the knowledge that you've given us and the impact. Um, I think it's very clear for everyone. Do have a look at the BSPSS or visit the bedroom on the CND community. We've got loads of resources. We've got fact sheets. So please feel free to have a look. And if you have any questions, feel free to comment under the podcast and let us know. Garth, once again, a very big thank you for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen to us. Thank you very much and goodbye. Goodbye.